In this interview, four keys to getting the best out of yourself as an introvert. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs every single week. And I'm your host and former computer engineer turned entrepreneur, Manny Vaya. So these days, people often ask me, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now. What is it? What is that one most important success lesson you've learned from all these books? What separates the successful from everyone else? So I decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it. You can get it for free at 2000books.com slash success. That's 2000books.com slash success. Dr. Lori Helgo is an introvert and a clinical assistant professor at West Virginia University School of Medicine, and she's the author of Introvert Power, a book which gives actionable strategies on how introverts can claim their own power, their true identity, and bring their very best to this world and live fulfilling lives. Lori, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I want to jump into the book. I want to talk about the introvert power. But before we do that, I'm assuming that because you wrote the book, The Introvert Power, you are an introvert. So tell us your story and what led you to writing this book. Great. Yes, I am an introvert, a card-carrying one. Um, So I think of a couple uh, touchstones when I think of what inspired me to write this book. I, I think it was a book that I was writing all my life and didn't know it. Um, in fact, I didn't really even label myself an introvert. Um, I, I think I knew I was an introvert, but I recall going through a psychoanalysis, uh, a personal psychoanalysis, and um, I was struggling with my career path. I was a therapist in a busy clinic, seeing a lot of uh, clients. I very much, I've always loved psychology. I, I played psychologist with my sister as a kid, so, so it was in my blood. But I was finding myself drained at the end of the day. And also, as kind of an absorbent person, I was finding myself taking in so much of what was going on with the people I was talking to that I didn't have so much access to my own voice by the end of the day. And I was in one of my sessions on the couch, and I said out loud something that surprised even me. I said, I don't like it. I don't like what I'm doing, Uh, which was a very frightening realization in some ways, because I was still paying student loans from graduate school. Mm -hmm. But it was also an incredibly liberating thing to say, uh, to acknowledge that I was being drained, that that my own nature, I was not respecting my own nature in the way I was doing what I was doing. And that this pressure to see more clients, to you know have more billable hours, that sort of thing was uh, was just a source of oppression, and it was uh, making me, less happy and probably impairing my work at that point. Mm -hmm. The other touchstone was when I was uh, with 
my son in the Amazon. We were with a group of people exploring the rainforest and living in the rainforest, no electricity, so that we all were kind of confined to communal areas in the in the evening where the torches were, um, and we all were uh, scheduled into group activities during the daytime. So there was no room for solitude. And I looked around me and it seemed like everybody else was okay with this, but I was feeling probably more stress from that than I was from the 90% humidity and mosquitoes and, um, you know, some of the challenges of the physical environment. So I actually would check out of some activities and sit in the hammock room during the day. Um, and this, and I started thinking, I am not, I'm clearly not the only one who feels this way. And I, I need to write down what I'm experiencing because not only was I feeling uncomfortable, but I was starting to kind of dog on myself for not being more okay with this. Mm. So I, under my headlight in, and, uh, and mosquito netting in my little cabin in, in the Amazon, I started taking notes that eventually became introvert power. All right. So there's quite a lot, of, quite a lot that went behind the scenes over, over mm-hmm. a few decades that uh, precipitated into this book in some ways. Um, and I think there's a question on the mind of a lot of our listeners that they probably don't even know if they're introverts or extroverts. And they have this inclination and probably partly they also have this pressure from society to be extroverted. So they want to associate with extroversion. So uh, let, let's simplify for people. What does it mean to be an introvert and what does it mean to be an extrovert? Right. Okay. Yes. Because on the outside, it's hard to tell. A lot of people mistake me for an extrovert. What makes the difference is is really how you recharge. I, I mean, I think that's the the definition that people find most helpful. Um, it isn't the scientific definition, but it's an intuitive one. That at the end of a, a rough day, do you want to you know pull away from everything and get some quiet, get some alone time? Or can you not wait to call a friend and, and talk about your day? I mean, those those would be indicators. Um, an introvert may feel, um, you know, especially a social introvert, very comfortable engaging with somebody for a while or, or you know, even a, a group of people for a while, but starts to get more and more drained whereas an extrovert is going to get more and more energized by that interaction. So there seems to be this inverse relationship where an introvert um, is energized and seeks out um, solitude, whereas an extrovert is uh, energized by, by social exchange or, or in general kind of external stimulation. Um, and the reason for that, the reason we understand that to be the case is that introverts, as we look at, you know, brain scans of introverts and extroverts responding to stimuli in the environment, introverts get all kinds, they're very sensitive, um, uh, you know, in terms of their the 
cortical stimulation, the, 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 the bells and whistles go crazy in the introvert's brain. We want to take things in and understand them. Um, and so we get more easily uh, overstimulated. The other difference is that introverts like to process thoughts internally uh, before we speak them. So if you think about that, if we're taking things in, processing them, and then we keep getting more input, which happens a lot of times for introverts because people think we're silent means we want more input, which we don't necessarily. Mm. So so we, we have more demands that we place on our own mental capacities, whereas an extrovert will process things kind of in the moment and through interaction. So um, an extrovert in response to, you know, their brains um, have very specific pathways that get lit up in response to stimulation. And those pathways have to do with seeking more stimulation. So it's like it just whets the appetite for the Mm. extrovert. So very, very different responses. So what I'd say really is that the difference has more to do with the way we process information than even how we are socially. Hmm. So and that that's so that's so interesting to hear because I have tried to figure out for myself where I stand and I have taken the Myers Briggs personality test and I'm 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 still I'm still trying to find the answer for myself because so many times as you said like the one thing the telltale sign where do I go for where do I go when I need to recharge? I need to be myself. My best, the one of the best things I can do to recharge is to be in a room by myself, or go for a walk, or go for mm-hmm. you know take a shower, or do something by myself rather than be in even be in the midst of even more people, because that will drive me nuts at that point. Right. Um, the other thing that uh, that I I you know, until I read your book, I wasn't really clear about was just the idea that um, it's not, it's not that I don't like to be social. I enjoy being social. I enjoy being around people, but only when it is about something meaningful. Like when I'm in my book club, it's, it's awesome. I love it. I can talk about it for a while with my, with my partner, with with all the people in the book club. But when I'm in another setting and uh, people are just talking about mundane stuff and fluff, it bothers me. It's almost to the point where I want to get out of there ASAP. So, and that's one thing. That's another thing you talk about that we, we are looking for specific ideas and deeper interactions rather than just uh, fluff. Yes, yes, that's that's I uh, thank you for bringing that up. I think you you raised the the uh, topic of book clubs. I I too love to talk about ideas and I think that is that's Carl Jung who really popularized the concept of introvert and extrovert. Uh, emphasized that part that introverts are idea oriented whereas extroverts are more or, oriented toward activity. Mm. And so um an an idea-oriented introvert. Yes, we love book clubs. So, you know, my experience, however, has been with two different book clubs is I go and I can't wait to talk about the book. I'm so interested in the dialogue and what happens. The wine comes out and it starts to be a gossip fest and we barely touch on the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I have to be, I think I have to advertise, you know, I want a book club in which we actually talk about the book. Yeah. But uh, but I think that does 
often distinguish uh, introverts and extroverts as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one thing I found truly surprising in the book, you talk about the idea that uh, it's okay. I mean, actually, sometimes introverts love the stage. And and because that was the thing that I thought was distinguishing, like that for that was the reason I thought I was different because I love to be in front of the camera. I love it to be um, doing public speaking. I, I've been with Toastmasters for a long time. That's something I've always enjoyed doing. But as you say in the book, that's a very introverted kind of activity because it allows you to express yourself without interruption and allows you to express the ideas without having to be interrupted by others. And that totally blew my mind because I thought that was a really extroverted thing to do. Right. Yeah. And and I think that technically um, public speaking is an extrovert. I mean, you are. Uh, in, there's that X factor. You are you are expressing yourself, but I I think that what it turns on is exactly what you said. Is that if it's if it's something that allows the room to to kind of express that inner um, world and in a way that allows planning and um, you know deliberation, that's different than kind of improv or back and forth. Um, more seat of the pants kind of extracting, which is more, you know, quintessentially extrovert. Mm. And, and and introverts can do it too. I mean, the thing is, is too, what we find more and more with personality research is that we can, we can, most people can work the gamut of extrovert and introvert mm. um, functions. Although actually it's easier, they find, for introverts to act like extroverts than the other way around. And, the reason for that, I think, is pretty simple, is that we've been forced to be bilingual. <laughs> yeah. Introverts are, you know, we we live in an extroverted world to some degree, and so we are trained that way, whereas extroverts, especially in our culture, don't really get the training in introversion. Yeah, and it's also the fact that somehow the culture has this prevailing notion that introversion is bad and extroversion is good so it kind of forces that extroversion on or the forces that belief on all of us and actually forces us to be like that or at least try to be like that a lot of times right right yes exactly so there's that there's that pressure too and and there's some evidence that when we don't line up what we with what we think the society values we feel worse about ourselves so um so we might strive to be or feel like we need to repair ourselves somehow by being more extroverted when that actually takes us away from, um, you know, our own strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that is, that is the challenge for a lot of us. That is a challenge for us, us in general as human beings, but especially for us as, uh, introverts or even if you're an extrovert to be who you are and i think there's a quote uh, that you mentioned in the book that was so profound i had to tweet it out as soon as i read it and the quote was by ralph Waldo emerson who said to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment that is so good <laughs> so good that. yeah i love that quote i've been Telling it to everyone who could who, who can hear it, like everyone who would hear it, because it's it's so profound, it's so simple, and so profound. Um, um, we need to embrace who we are, 
And that is probably the biggest challenge in this whole journey. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and uh, let's talk about some specific uh, techniques to embrace that part of us, to, to, to be who we are. And, and I guess one of those simple techniques that you talk about uh, is uh, is giving yourself you know, this time to think, to have that solitude, that space for yourself, right? Or maybe I, there are two different ideas here, but yeah, giving yourself the time uh, to to be alone and not feel bad about it. Yes, yes. And I, I, that's so important. I, I think maybe particularly in these times, as there is so much press to get on board with certain react kind of a reactive political climate um you know there there's so much uh stimuli right now especially that can pull us away from our own minds we find ourselves reacting um kind of swept up in, into things without even knowing why we're reacting so i think maybe particularly now but certainly for introverts in general we require i mean it's a biological necessity for, for us to uh, have that time to regroup, to hear ourselves think. Um, I, you know, I, I think that was my experience. Uh, you know, when I was, I just had too many patients or too many clients. Is that uh, I, I started feeling my, you know, kind of uh, hijacked um, by other people's concerns and needs, and and I needed to compensate. You know, with also time. For me to tune in, okay, where's Lori right now? What does she need? Uh, what does she think? Um, you know, that old idea that, uh, old, old idea, it's, uh, I guess, been around as long as airlines have, but that you, uh, in order to give oxygen to a child, on, if, if there's a need in a crisis uh, on an airline, you first grab that oxygen and get your breathing mm -hmm. and I think um, for those of us that work with uh, in service industries especially that's a, really a key is that we need to uh, get ourselves breathing mm -hmm. so that that would definitely be um, a tip and and it's not always easy to pull off and I think that goes into another uh, tip that I have is that um, to for people to watch how they they talk about their own introversion. If you're apologizing for needing time, mm -hmm. you're apologizing for, you know, opting out of the happy hour when the reality is, is you can't wait <laughs> and you're going to be a better uh, person and citizen if you do that. Um, you may not be telling the truth and you may be giving, feeding into the, the very biases that hurt you. So I think, I, and I certainly have caught myself, um, you know, getting invited to something I knew right away, I, I this would drain me, I would not be a good person mm -hmm. <laughs> for anybody if I went. But my, my autopilot, my training says to say, oh, if I'm gonna, you know, opt out, I'm going to say, oh, I really wish I could go. That sounds so great. I've got, you know, this loser activity.
activity I need to do at home. <laughs> you know, just give myself a paint a horrible picture of who I am in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And, and that'll bite you back. I remember, um, uh, you know, kind of sending gushy regrets over, you know, being invited to some uh, club activity. And of course, then I got invited again. And, you know, and that, then you get yourself into, okay, how are you going to make an excuse every time? <laughs> so I think paying attention to how we talk about ourselves, uh, what kind of press we give introversion and ourselves, and then um, and then changing that up, uh, saying, you know what, I, that sounds like you're really excited about that, but for me, it's not really my thing, or I'm, I've got a great quiet evening at home planned. And, and the more you can do that, the more you free other people up to say, oh, gosh, your your plan sounds better than mine. What am mm-hmm. I doing? And to be more honest with themselves as well. Right. Uh, and then the other uh, advice I give is that I think especially when we have close relationships with extroverts, they don't always get what our silence means. They don't always get what our need to retreat means. So sometimes, as much as we hate to have to do it, it's very helpful to narrate our introversion. To say, and I do this with my husband, who uh, is an extrovert, and uh, when I'm quiet, sometimes he'll assume, or he used to assume, that means he had to explain things more, or he'd put some pressure on me to respond, or he thought I was blowing him off. And I had to say, okay, I am quiet right now because I'm thinking about what you just said. And so now he'll, he'll say, instead of, you know, assuming what I'm going to say, he says, oh, is this one of those times you're thinking? I'm like, yep, yep. This <laughs> <laughs> um, is clarity. Yes, yes. And and then sometimes, too, when I, I need to check out, and this is where it really takes courage in the, the Emerson sort of way, as you quoted, is, you know, at the workplace. Um, I've worked in academic environments where there's there can be a lot of pressure to, you know, do all the the games and activities and, and just to stay very clearly that, um, you know, part of what I love about the academic life is that I go get to go and read and, and that's what I'm going to do. And I know it means I'll be a little less visible. Here's how you can reach me. Here's how it works to engage with me. Yeah. And then you're upfront, the person, the others don't personalize it. I find myself actually more responsive to people when I make sure that I have my kind of insulated time. Yeah, we can be more available and present to them when we've recharged ourselves. I guess that's the key there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, another idea that I loved was the idea of retreats. And uh, mm. the story that I remember very well distinctly one time, I told my friend... Uh, my good friend in Austin, that I was going to go on a road trip. And since uh, there was no one else who was going to go, I was just going to go on a road trip by myself. And my friend thought that was the weirdest, most, uh, uh, you know, like he he was almost like he called me out on it so many different times. He's like, you are such a loner. You could go on a road trip by yourself. Who could, who would do something like that? Blah, 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 blah. But for me, it was like a completely natural thing to do. For me, I wasn't even questioning it. I was like, this is so cool. I get time by myself to think and just Uh, breathe it in and enjoy the nature and just 
be myself like i i for me it wasn't a bad thing at all except that i felt like i was stealing time away from some of the other endeavors of life but i never really factored into the fact that i wasn't being social during that time that wasn't something that was hurting right. but it seems like society's narrative is that you go on a road trip with five other people you go on a retreat with 10 other people there's no retreat for yourself but you're saying it's actually a good idea to just take that time uh- off for yourself I, I there's I, in my opinion there's nothing better and and road trips I I can relate I, I uh, have family in Minnesota so I love to drive by myself uh, from West Virginia to Minnesota mm. and and go in interesting little restaurants and and take different routes and stay in bed and breakfast along the way and um, exactly it's magical it's yeah. it's an it's amazing and and really i mean don't feel sorry for me if i miss the party feel sorry for yourself if you, you miss the solo road trip yeah. <laughs> you know um and that that's you know there is that fear of missing out we get but it's so interesting to me that we have that toward extroverted activities but i just am so convinced that people miss out when they don't have those solo um, rejuvenating times, those times where, you know, they're not looking across the table at another person, but they're looking at the world and they're, they're, you know, um, taking their own pace at things. And, um, and again, I, I, you know, kind of paradoxically, these are times that I find myself bumping into a stranger and having a conversation I would have never had because I am open, uh, and, and alone. Yeah. Yeah, retreats just like exactly the way you described as uh, those are some of my ideal time offs. If I could have more of those, I would do them all the time because they're so beautiful. <laughs> uh, just drive away into infinity and just right. find find new things and uh, new restaurants and new, you know, bed and breakfast or whatever it is and just just allow my mind to wander away and think that's like one of the most beautiful things and that's one of the most liberating things i could do i i i always feel like that so i have traveled a lot of the world all by myself i never mm. really thought of it as a question i never even challenged that idea that it was such a strange thing to do until society asked if it was a normal thing to do right <laughs> yes yes and you think of our kids, you know, that when they look up to us and, and you know, to, to check, you know, as kids do, is this normal? Is this okay? And we look horrified if they're alone reading a book, <laughs> you know, and we think somehow, and, and I don't think it's always the parents' fault. Parents think that, that to be good parents, somehow we need to always be getting our kids out and socializing them. And um, what about? Um, teaching them solitude skills um, mm-hmm. you know ultimately we're going to have spend a lot of time alone whether we like it or not and our comfort with ourselves uh, will make you know a huge difference in our quality of life yeah yeah um, and the dream room because that's something I've actually dreamt of I have thought of this oh. room I have thought of this room personally for myself. I always thought when I have that perfect place and I have this perfect vision in my mind, there's a room. So my so I want to be in a place in Miami Beach overlooking the ocean and all the walls are covered with whiteboard except one of them. And one of them is just, just a window overlooking the ocean. That's the only way I want it because that would be so cool. I could just get lost in my ideas, draw them out, do whatever I need to do. And... Uh, 
enjoy the beauty of the ocean. So that's that's been my dream room for a long time. But you talk okay, about I it. Hope, in, <laughs> I hope you can construct it. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I really want to. But let's talk about the dream room, the idea of the dream room and why it's so important. Right. I think that, you know, I, I talk about how, you know, as a teenager, how important it is, you know, to have as you're developing your identity to have your room, your space and how, you know, teens will put up, keep the out signs on their door and they can put up posters and they can decorate their room in a way that reflects them. And and what happens to that when we get adults? We share all our rooms. We we create neutral and you know kind of communally pleasing <laughs> you know environments rather than uh, a place to 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 kind of really project who we are. So and my room is very different than what your my dream room, which I'm sitting in right now, and I have it. Every wall is covered with collage. Mm. Um, and I, I have, um, and and I've, I've gotten, uh, I, I've been indulging more creative expru- uh, pursuits, and so now I have an easel with a painting on it too. But I have, I have quirky, you know, flamingos all over the place. I have, but it's, it's mine, and it reflects me. And when I'm here, I feel like I have more room for me because I am all, I am. I'm as big as this room and I don't have to just keep everything inside me. It's mm-hmm. it's in this room. So I think I love the idea that your room and my room could be very different visions, but they, they could serve the same function, which is that this is a place where we um, can really allow our thinking to expand. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yes. The idea that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, it can allow our thinking to expand and, I have, you know, I have literally, well, I, I'm single, so I live by myself in this two-bedroom place, and I have one room that is for my, that's my office, and uh, I, there was a reason, because I wanted it like that. It's not perfect, but it still works for me, and uh, I've, having that space allows me to think so clearly and cleanly that I cannot make a compromise on that space. It's it's so powerful for me for being able to do that. And I, I, I didn't really ever have the distinction in my head that that was an introvert thing to do. Uh, and I always thought that that's something anyone would enjoy, but seems like that's that's a rather different thing for a lot of people. Like it's not everyone who wants to be in a room by themselves wanting to do their thing. Right, right. And and there's an inter- like a cl- interesting classic study that showed that um, extroverts actually perform better when there was a little noise hmm. in the environment, whereas introverts perform better when it was quiet. And um, so that, you know, there really is a sense that introverts, um, that, that you know, again, that extroverts uh, kind of feel recharged by that that extra outside stimulation. Introverts want room to spread themselves out, you know, in a sense. Um, I certainly feel that when I go for walks, too. I feel like if it's quiet and I'm walking and the world's kind of, you know, can I can, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm trying to, it's almost like I can open up my mind and have more room for it to play mm. um, because so often I'm pulling things in from the world. Yeah, yeah. I I never yeah, that that's a very interesting distinction that I like. I definitely like my surroundings to be quiet. I don't like buzz. 
around me. I don't like people buzzing around. I mean, coffee shops are fun to work with, but then I need some headphones or something to keep the the noise out. So, mm-hmm. wow. Frankly, I never even thought of myself as as introverted as I did after reading the book. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's an interesting point, too, is that I think that even, um, you know, people have see themselves as extroverts. I think that, that there's such a push to be so extroverted in our society that I think even extroverts sometimes feel like they can't meet or don't want to meet that image of, you know, the sitcom person who's always got an entourage around them or, you know, um, that they don't identify with with how extroversion is sold in our society. And so I, I think perhaps this mess, you know, thinking in terms of that other side of, of humanity, the yin and the yang, is that maybe we're all a little starved on the, the that introvert side mm. uh, of who we are. Yeah. So, Lori, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of great learning for me, and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners as well. The one half of the listeners who are the introverts, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But and and that's scientifically true, right? Fifty percent of people are where they are introverts. So, tell our listeners, tell our introverts out there some specific action items they can take to improve their lives today. Well, I think I've I've covered them, but I'll reiterate. I think watch, observe yourself, watch how you are talking about introversion and about your introverted needs, and 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 just step back and and notice that first, and then see if you can change that up to uh, be more forthcoming about uh, you know the the upside of that and when just the reality for you. I mean, um, and, and so, and that's, that's one item. One we haven't talked about here that I think is so important is that make your own definition of happiness. Mm. There's a lot of hype about happiness, just as there is about, uh, you know, getting out there and just doing it and being, uh, you know, extroverted. Um, happiness in our society. And I, I looked at research studies that show that the way even scientists tend to define it is a one-sided type of happiness as the uh, externally oriented, kind of excited, exuberant side. But there's another side of happiness we don't talk about, which is contentment, which is, is tranquility and, and uh, that, that comes more out of that introverted side. So Mm -hmm. I think that what is it you that that has you feeling at your best and 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 define that for yourself so that you're not working towards something you don't even want (laughs) um and then of course the give yourself time um what do you need what kind of environments do you thrive in uh, when do you not thrive? What drains you? And and can you start editing those things out of your life? Got it. Awesome, awesome. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. So, Laurie, how can our listeners find more of you? Find all the good stuff that you're putting out there. Find you and your book. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, introvertpower.com, lauriehelgo.com. We'll all get you to the same website. Um, you can find my book on Audible, on Amazon, uh, in bookstores. 
You can find me on psychologytoday.com. I, I, I publish a blog there. Um, and my Facebook is uh, page, Introvert Power on Facebook, is has got a, a great ongoing conversation uh, going between a nice, quiet conversation for introverts. So, <laughs> so that's a place I, I actively interact with readers. Um, so, yes, please uh, visit all those places. Awesome, awesome. Uh, great. Well, thank you very much, Lori, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank I you. enjoyed the conversation. It's right. It's right in my in my uh, favorite uh, activity zone. So thank you. So as more and more people find out about what I do, the question I invariably get asked is, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now. What is the most important success lesson you've learned from all these books? What is it that separates the winners, the successful, from everyone else? So. I decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it. You can get it for free at 2000books.com slash success. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, do something great with your life. Don't waste it. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six-hour-long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. And right now, you can... Give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free. That's 2000books.com slash F-R-E-E free. Free.